Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Detroit Strange. Yeah, we've been gone for a second, but we're excited to be back. Yeah, as an official show now. What? That's crazy. Who would do that? Thanks to you guys for listening. Yeah, keep listening. Yeah, please do. (laughs) Keep listening. Tell your friends. So over there is Alex. And over there is Jessica. Yeah, it's been a minute. How's it going? Good. You had a a lot of adventures there in that minute. I did. I did. Um, I just got back from my vacation. Well, I've been back for like a week now. But it doesn't feel like it because I've just been at home with the plague. Yeah, you're looking much better. Thank you. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it was a journey. (laughs) It was a journey after the journey. Traveling always does that. It's planes. Yeah. Planes are not, they're not. I mean, I, I got it right when I got to Stockholm. Yeah, because you were on a plane to get there. But this was like a week, this is like a week and a half into the journey. So. Fair. But, um, it was a bus. A bus is like a plane of the roads. That's true. Any enclosed space with a bunch of like human beings in it for a long extended period of time, mm-hmm. it, you, it, you're just asking to get yeah. something. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. We called it the Kentucky cough. <laughs> Ew. Yeah. <laughs> and it didn't help because like the the night I started feeling sick, we went to the ice bar in Stockholm. Mm-hmm. Ooh, so fun. just like. <laughs> it was cold. Yeah, it was cold. <laughs> And then we went clubbing after that, and I was like, I for sure have a fever right now. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Then I'm like, there's a dance floor downstairs. I'm like, I'll try my best. (laughs) I'm sure you did. (laughs) Yeah. It was great, though. It was a great vacation. Um, Met a lot of really cool people. Um, Shout out if anyone's listening. So some people were like, oh, listen to your podcast. So Yay. International. Yeah. Mostly Australians, which, like, I love Australians. Oh, Australians know how to travel. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like they that that's what you do when you're a young Australian. You, you travel. You, yeah, you graduate school. You go travel everywhere. You see the world. Then you kind of figure out what you're gonna do, which seems like a way better plan. Yeah. Yeah. Why aren't we doing that? Right. Some other like cool Australian things I learned. They call electricians sparkies, mm-hmm. which I like. I think that's fun. What else? They don't actually throw shrimps on the Barbie. I mean, they might do that, but that's not like a. That's yeah, colloquial thing that they say. Right, they say you reckon a lot. Like, ah, oh, that's pretty tall. You reckon? Mm-hmm. I'm like, and good on ya. Good on ya. Yeah, good on ya. I like that too. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied abroad in Australia for oh, a bit. Oh, I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. It was it was a lot of fun, and it, it was a whole new speech. Yeah, whereabouts in Australia? Uh, I studied. Well, I was actually teaching, so it was like kind of graduate work, I guess. Uh-huh. So we had like a class, but were it was. Speak, were you teaching English? No, I was teaching art. <laughs> Uh, but their school system is like very differently organized. Like uh, the secondary school is actually like seventh through twelfth grade, uh-huh. and then it's more like a college schedule. Like every day is not the same schedule. Yeah. Um, so it was like all over the place in the school I was in, and then we did have a couple classes at a Macquarie University, but they were just for us. And there was another college with us from Ohio, but I can't remember what the college was. Like mm-hmm. taking these courses, but mostly it was just a lot of fun in Australia. Nice. You know, we got to, I, I think I was there six, no, eight weeks total. Uh, Cause it was like a summer yeah. abroad thing. And you know, we went all over. I had like an extra trip I took with some people and nice and stuff. And I said, good on ya. Good on ya. All the time. Yeah. Good on ya. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so hopefully some of them are listening and uh, I hope so. Yeah. Good on ya. If so. Yeah. Good on ya. But yeah, so Sad to leave, but happy to be back. And uh, now I'm just kind of trying. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. Awesome. Yeah. 
So I guess before we dive into things, I'll talk about our drink of the episode. Please uh, do. It's nothing fancy. It's just a tequila sunrise. A couple reasons for that. One, I needed. I am getting over the plague, so I'm like vitamin C. That sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Uh, two, my topic today has to do with like things that are visually appealing. So I like this drink is very visually appealing because of the nice little gradient. So I was like, I'm going to go with this. I'm in for it. Yeah. Yeah. So nice choice. It is very pretty. Yeah. You had the fanciest grenadine I've ever seen come from a household. Yeah. I like, I think I got that at Meyer. Oh. So it's not like that fancy, but like, I was like, this looks nice. I'm going to buy this. Yeah. Treat yourself. Exactly. <laughs> well, cheers. Cheers. Yeah. These might actually clink. Let's see. Yeah. We got a little clink. Don't yeah. know if you could hear it, but ah, refreshing. Ooh. This is like the only way I can drink tequila too, because like tequila and me don't usually get along. Yeah. But I can drink it in things. And like every once in a while, like I'll take a shot of tequila and then hate my life. Like <laughs> that's how I end. Like, do you do you do the like whole salt and lime thing when you do the shot? Oh, totally. See, then to, to me, it tastes like a margarita, except less sweet. Uh, to me, it still just tastes like regret and poor choices. <laughs> I mean, I had some tequila yesterday, and I regret some of it. Oh, yeah, because you were at Mopop, right? Yeah, my friend, uh, she is a rep for Virtue Cider, and so she had to go pass out stuff, but she also could bring a friend, so that was pretty sweet. Thank nice. you, Stephanie. And so I met up with some other friends, and then we we had a bunch of time to like walk around, too, in between stuff. And so we were just going and doing all the free stuff. <laughs> Because there was a fanny pack everywhere. Ooh. You could get so many fanny packs at Mopop. And so, like, we visited the Teva tent and signed up for a raffle to, Ooh. you know, get some shoes. Uh, and then we saw there was a Patron tent, and they had samples. Their samples were actually cocktails, though. Ooh. So you stood in a line. You got ID'd. They give you a chip. You go in. And then inside of there, too, they also had, like, two, three little stations you could stop at. And one of them was like some beer or beer, some drink making game where you like on an app make drinks against your friends and saw who could make the most. I lost. And then the other one was an aura reading filter photograph. Okay. Yeah, my friends and I came out because um, you could do it as a group too. Like yeah. I had to take some weird survey first, but it was like five questions. It wasn't anything. They were weird though. Uh-huh. And then um, our, actually, my aura matched this tequila sunrise. Ooh. It was like red and orange and yellow. Uh, it was the writer's spirit. And I was like, cool. Ooh. I like that for me. I like that, I like that for you, too. <laughs> and then the last one was like a Snapchat filter, except for you can't use Snapchat there because nobody's phone is working because it's so close to the river that like yeah. there's just no service for anybody. So I was like, hey, I tried. And then I got some little tiny enamel pins. Oh, fun. But they were cute. They weren't like they didn't actually say Patron on them. They were just. Was it the little bee? I like their little bee. No, it was like an actual agave plant for oh, one, and one was like a lime slice, and the other one was like a little like uh, margarita glass with a little lime slice on it. They were adorable. They were just cute, cute. little, yeah, you know, cartoony, adorable things that I was like, oh, I actually like these. Yeah. Uh, um, but then we started sitting there, and then my friend randomly got like all these tokens from people. Huh. So yeah. you got more drinks? Yeah. Uh. Which was great. They were, and I'm, Patron's not always my favorite thing. They were pretty good. There was this one, like, Motor City something. It was, like, specialty for there. Because mm-hmm. they had, like, a mule, and they had a um, Paloma, and they had something else, in the, or a margarita. And then they had this, like, Motor City one. It was actually pretty good. It had, like, chartreuse in it. It was, Ooh. like, yeah, it was pretty fancy and nice. It You know, better than 
probably the stuff we would have bought in the oh totally lines and what and it was a nice little like area to sit they had like little cushions and chairs that's always and stuff. nice yeah then Question. we saw Lizzo though did that you was, see Lizzo we did oh uh, I was just about to ask you did you see Lizzo yeah that was kind of the reason I went like that was my soul you know like yes I want to go see Lizzo how was it it was amazing oh I love her it was so wonderful. I have no idea how long that show was, but probably not long enough. Right. But she did everything. Did she bring out the flute? I do not remember a flute. Ah. Oh. Also, the Patron might be a cause for it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I took a lot of videos. Okay. And they're all fan. I, I watched them all like three times today. I was so happy. Oh. I was like, oh, that was so fun. And like, just an amazing show. I am seeing her in September, and I'm so excited. Yeah. Going all the way to Toronto to see her, because um, we tried to get tickets for the Detroit show, and it sold out in like 20 minutes. Yeah. So we didn't get tickets. My friends and I were thinking about going to the Chicago one, but I have not invested time to see if there are still tickets for that yet. Yeah. Also in September, I believe. Yeah. But highly recommend. Yeah. All right, so we get into the... Should we get into the stories? Yeah, let's do that. I don't need to talk about... uh... (laughs) My my uh, escapades anymore, <laughs> as it were. I mean, escapades are always fun. It, it was fun. It was fun. And we were responsible. Yeah. So have you heard of a little building called the DIA? Um, the Detroit Ice Academy. Close. Okay. Um, the Detroit Institute of Art. Oh, yeah. It yeah. was funny. <laughs> I was taking notes. I spelled institute, like, institute wrong. I was like, Detroit Institute of Arts. <laughs> And so, the Detroit Institute of Arts. Mm-hmm. I, yes, I love the DIA. Same. It's, like, probably one of my favorite places to go in the city. Like, whenever I lived uh, in the city, because I, um, I lived in dorms for two summers down there. Mm-hmm. And I would always go. They have, like, live music on Friday nights. Like, yeah. most Fridays. Yeah, it's great. So, I'd always go down there. And it's just nice to, like, walk around, especially because it's free for, like, Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb County mm-hmm. residents. So, I would just go all the time. But, um... I decided to do it for my topic this week. That is fantastic. I the, the DIA is near and dear to my heart. It's a like world class museum. No, their collection is amazing. They're one of, like that was one of my fun facts. It's one of the top six collections of the United States. Wow, I knew it was up there. I didn't know exactly how, but that's that's awesome. Yeah, and I also love that they retained all the artwork too. Like everybody, like there were people who were like, "Well, let's sell it to help the city." And no, yeah, that's. I don't know. I get into how they did that later on. Oh, good. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I got a lot of cool stuff. I'm excited to hear it all. Yeah. So just some more fun facts. So like I said, it's one of the top collection, top six collections in the United States. The museum covers 658,000 square feet that includes more than 100 galleries and a 1,150-seat auditorium and a 380-seat lecture hall and an art reference library and a state-of-the-art conservation services laboratory. So... It's a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there's more than 65,000 works in the museum. Wow. Is that like actually on display at a time or including like their vault collection? I don't know. It didn't really say, but I know there's, there's so much art there. Oh, yeah. For an art museum, they have a lot of art. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thunk? <laughs> I know. But it has an interesting history because um, there's a lot of phases to get where we got now. The first like inkling of art in Detroit was some like local newspaper magnet guy, James E. Scripps. He kept a journal of his family's tour of Europe about like the culture and arts, and he por- he published portions of it in the Detroit News. 
And like I wrote down, like, is this the first travel blog? Like, <laughs> he just was nice. like writing about his journey. And it was so popular, they republished them in a book called Five Months Abroad. Very creative title. Hmm. At least it's on the nose. uh, (laughs) Tells you what it is, I guess. Right. I mean, like, that's one thing I learned about Americans when I was abroad is we're very literal. Like, the Australians are like, oh, they're sunnies. And I'm like, they're sunglasses. They're glasses you wear in the sun. I like sunnies. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like, bathing suit. They're swimmers. I'm like, yeah, that makes more sense than bathing suit. It does. It does. We don't bathe in them. No. I mean, I guess people probably have, but, like, that's not their general use. I mean, whenever I shower, I am in a bathing suit, so... Hey, you do you. Yeah. I'm like that sim. You know that sim trait that's, like, it's, like, never nude. <laughs> yes. I was playing... Me and John have been in The Sims lately, and I, I like that. But didn't never nude come from Arrested Development? With Maybe? David Cross's character? Oh, yes. When he was wearing the, uh, the little... Daisy uh, Dukes? Yeah, the little shorts. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, Fumke. Yeah. Oh, yep. Tobias. Tobias. I had yes. to think about it. Yeah, because those were some of my favorite episodes, The Never Nudes. Oh, yes. That and Crying in the Shower. <laughs> uh, relatable content. Yeah. Uh, so, the manager of the newspaper's art department, William H. Breeley, was like, People seem to like this art stuff. What if we showed them about it? What so, a concept. <laughs> right. It's like, this art stuff. People like reading about it. What if we showed them art? So he organized an art exhibit, and it went so well that he convinced some donors to give some money to make a permanent museum. Awesome. Yeah. So the original museum was called uh, the Detroit Museum of Art, and it opened in 1888. It was originally located at 704 East Jefferson. Oh, I didn't know it moved. Yeah, yeah. It was like this big old building that looked like a castle. Uh, It was demolished in 1960, and there's like nothing there now, so like I don't know why they demolished it. A story about most Detroit buildings. Yeah, that's so. I mean, I'm sure it could have been useful for something. Like I don't know. Some yeah. Anything. We always need a castle. Seriously. But it was used for less than 40 years as an art museum. Okay. So in 1919, they changed the name to the Detroit Institute of Arts, is what the name is now, and they also handed the museum over to the city, making it a city department that received operational funds. So okay. that'll be important later. Uh, the DIA was the first museum in the U.S. to acquire both a Van Gogh and a Matisse in 1922. That uh, makes a lot of sense. Their, um, like, modern art collection is so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I always confuse Matisse, Monet, and Manet, right? Manet, Manet. Yeah, Manet. Um, the way I remember Manet now, though, is, like, Manet's, because I feel like he always just has, like, pasty white people in his paintings. Yes. Yeah. Barmaids, usually. Yeah, yeah. Lots of barmaids. There was one in the clubhouse at the pool I used to work at, just like a, a barmaid just looking like, I don't want to be here. I'm Is like, it the one with like the woman just staring you down? Yeah. Like in the center? Yeah, yes. I know that one. But yeah, no, Manet and Monet, I think, are really easy to confuse because they were both like around the Impressionism. Yeah. They're both French dudes. Like Monet's more like bridges and flowers, though. Yeah, and and like super impressionism, like yeah. his is like really. Whereas like Manet is like realistic. Mm-hmm. He's not really an impressionist, but it was like the same time period, and he's like, in. yeah, realistic. But he was also the one like cavorting with like all the like cool people in Paris and stuff. Like, uh, what is it, Toulouse mm-hmm. and stuff? I I think there's paintings with Toulouse in them, maybe or something. I don't know. Maybe I don't remember all my art history. I, like, remember bits and pieces, just enough to, like, kind of make me look smart mm-hmm. every once in a while, or, like, cultured, mm-hmm. which is a nice change of pace for me. Yeah. But Matisse was, like, the crazy shapes guy. Yeah. Was he the one who did the, um, the, like, 
white it's like white and black lines and then like blocks of color no that's uh no, um <sighs> I'm blanking on who that is right now, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I almost said Rafa, he was which later. is also really long, wrong. Uh, no. Matisse did, like, um, the figures. Like, they're, like... yeah, And they look like they're dancing. And, like, sometimes there's, like, a star behind them in the sky. And they're kind of, like, falling through the sky. But they're just, like, very simplistic, like, blob figures. Yes. Okay, uh, I totally know what you're talking about now. Yeah. Sorry. Art teaching. Uh, yeah. <laughs> definitely had some Matisse lessons. Yes. That was a nice little art tangent. Yeah, like sorry. That. No, that's okay. I, like, we 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 do not consider ourselves an an art we're podcast. Not an art, yeah, we're not an art <laughs> podcast, but we like to try and sometimes. We are a mostly factual podcast, though. So yes. sometimes we try with things. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason, like, why that we have such a good collection today was uh, thanks to Wilhelm Valentiner. He was a German art scholar. He helped grow the collection immensely. And he also broke the tradition of organizing the works by type, like painting and sculpture, instead of, or, and he instead organized them by nation and chronology. So like, nation and like time period. Okay. So, I it like was that. so. Yeah. I like chronology a lot, actually. For, for most exhibits and stuff like that, I think it is fun to see stuff like develop. Right, and I think it just makes sense too because like pieces that were made around the same time have like similar points of historical reference. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of, it makes sense. And it, and like, so did the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> Britannica? Yeah. Encyclopedia uh, Britannica. <laughs> Britannica. There we go. There we go. So I got there. You did. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Uh, so the 1929 Encyclopedia Britannica. Oh, <laughs> Britannica. They used an illustration of the main floor plan of the DAA as an example of the perfect modern art museum. Oh. Yeah, so cool for the DAA. And in 1927 is when the current museum opened, the Beaux-Arts Italian Renaissance style building. Okay. The one you see from Woodward. Yeah, yeah, the original in that space. Yeah. The Thinker statue was donated by Horace Rackham in 1922. And it was originally located in the Great Hall, which I'm assuming... Is like that main the entry way, yeah. like where the oh no, not, not where the mural is. The mural's by the like cafe. That building, that building, yeah, that room right before the mural. Yeah, um, it was later moved to its current location, and I was kind of thinking like this isn't the original, obviously. And then, I, mm -hmm. but I looked then, and uh, it's possibly one of the twenty-eight like or considered original. Mm -hmm. uh, but the one that's considered the original original is like the in the Rodin Museum in Paris. Oh, okay. But in 1949, the DIA was one of the first mu museums to return a work that was looted by the Nazis from their original owners. It was a Monet piece. Remember Monet? We just talked about it. Yeah. Uh, and the art dealer who sold it to the DIA also reimbursed the museum what they had paid for it. So I thought that oh, was kind of cool. That's really nice. Yeah. And in 2002, it was discovered that another painting from the museum was the result of Nazi looting. And the museum contacted the original owners, paid restitution, and the family not only allowed the painting to stay, but they also, like... We're like, here's another one. So they added to the Dutch painter collection. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I was like, good on you, DIA. Yeah. And so then the museum added a south and north wing in 1966 and 1971, respectively. So that's how it got to be as big as it is today. Mm -hmm. it's huge. Well, yeah. And then they had that one like a decade ago, right? I'm sorry. You're probably talking in oh, no, no, no. order. Yeah. Like, um, I actually don't know if I have that in there. But yeah, like they added on to it. Like six, seven years ago. It was under a decade, but almost a decade ago, I think. Yeah. That like boxy area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so like it's a huge museum. 
But uh, as the city started to decline in the 70s and 80s, financial support for the city was reduced. So they had to, like, reduce staff, and the museum was forced to close for three weeks in June. Oh. But the state stepped in and provided funding to keep the museum open. So thanks, Michigan. Yeah, smart job. Yeah. something good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, By the 90s, the 70% of the museum's funding came from the state. And again, the budget was cut by 50%. The museum had to close galleries and reduce hours. And fundraising efforts, like, allowed the operations to return to normal. And then in 2014, as part of the bankruptcy of the city, the museum was returned to its pre-1919 status of an independent nonprofit. And, like, in 2014, the bankruptcy also spawned what's called the Great Bargain, mm-hmm. which I don't know if you remember hearing about that back then. I don't remember hearing... I don't recall. Yeah. Or I, is this, like, when they were talking about selling this is, off... Yeah, this is their talk about I do remember talk, them talking about selling parts of the collection, and a lot of people were like, no, that's not... Yeah. Oh, sorry, Grand Bargain. Not great. Grand. Oh, oh grand. Right. Uh, it was argued, like, so the argument from the city was city funds were used to purchase the art in the museum, so the city should be able to sell it to help with its bankruptcy. And basically the museum agreed to contribute $100 million to cover the pension along with $715 million from the state and local national fund foundations. And in return, the collection's ownership and the building would be transferred to the nonprofit. Oh, so they'd gained, like, independency, essentially. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, so that's what the 2014 thing did mm-hmm. was basically like they told they basically like made this deal so they got to keep the artwork but they would pay the city back like kind of like what they owed or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, but it worked out well for them. Yeah, I mean it looks beautiful now. Yeah, and like one thing I like kind of is I'm taking you on a word journey. Excellent. Uh, yes, please do. Because. Um, you can't, I feel like you can't really talk about the DIA without mentioning Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera. Mm-mm. Yeah. Is it Rivera or Rivera? Uh, I think it's Rivera. I, okay. I might... Now you're... I don't know now. Yeah, let's use the Google machine. Yeah. I probably should have known this before, but I kind of just assumed I knew... I'm pretty sure it's Rivera, because I remember... Rivera, it is. Yeah, thinking it's not, like, the... Uh, River, you know, Riviera, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Like I said, we're mostly factual podcast. I mean, we look stuff up when we can. Right. Um, but so anyway, like, do you remember that exhibit that happened a couple of years ago about like the Frida Kahlo and Diego Rivera? Yes. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And then like there were restaurants all over the city that were also like uh, having like Frida like specialties and stuff like that. Yeah. It was, um, I remember, it was, I think it was one of the summers where I was living here, because I remember I went, they had like, this, like, weird kind of spoken word, acted out, kind of, like, recollection of their time here. Yeah. And so, like, it kind of just, like, broke down, like, both of what happened when they were here. So, like, Frida, when she came here, she was young and unknown, and she actually created some of her early great paintings here, and I wrote down, one of them's now owned by Madonna. Oh, it said, like, a Detroit native. I'm like, one, she's not from Detroit, and two, she doesn't want to be from here. She she does not like to... She doesn't no. like to own us. No, not at all. Which, uh, sorry, Madonna. Like, I don't know what your problem is. Yeah, we're okay. Madam X. <laughs> That's her new album. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, like, Detroit had, like, a lasting effect on Frida Kahlo. Because she had many health problems related to a failed pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And that, along with, like, her disdain for U.S. capitalist culture... And, like, she didn't, like, so she kind of, like, wasn't having a good time here. Yeah. But it was good for artistic expression. Because, like, she experimented with new techniques. Her painting started to show a stronger narrative style. And she began exploring and emphasizing themes of terror, suffering, wounds, and pain. 
Like most Detroiters. Yeah. And uh, she, like, adopted a new medium or, like, style, at least, called uh, retablos, Mm -hmm. which, like, religious paintings made on small metal sheets. So, like, the three works she made here in this style were Henry Ford Hospital in 1932, My Birth in 1932, and Self-Portrait on the Border of Mexico and the United States, also in 1932. I don't know why I just did. That's okay. Yeah. That's a lot, though, for a painter to produce in a year. Yeah, it, but none of them were ever featured here in exhibits. Interesting. Yeah. I also, do Do you have, like, um? do you know how big they were? Because retablos usually aren't, like, super large, I think, but... I didn't look. Okay, no, that's okay. I was just curious. Yeah. But, yeah, I know they're probably smaller. It could be wrong, too. They could be huge. They could be the size of a room. Maybe. Yeah, who knows? But um, she gave an interview to the Detroit News about her art. Mm-hmm. And they were condescending as fuck. The news was, or she was? The news. Okay. They titled, Wife of Master Mural Painter no. Gleefully Dabbles in Work of Art. Dabble. Oh. Like, the nerve. That is so gross. Right? Ew. So. Man, and she was, I, I love Frida Kahlo. Same. Like, have you ever seen the Frida movie? I haven't. Is that Selma Hayek? It is. Love Selma Hayek. Uh, she does a good job. And it, it's, a, it's, I mean, like, it's a good movie. It's intense. Does it show her time in Detroit? It does not, I don't think. It probably starts after. I think it starts right after, yeah, when they get back. Yeah, because it's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. I just remember I really, I did enjoy it. It's a little slow in some parts, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed it just, like, seeing Frida Bratta yeah. life. Yeah, yeah. It's always interesting, like, seeing artist stories like that. Mm-hmm. And Selma Hayek did a very good job of, like, portraying. Yeah, she always does. Yeah. I love Selma Hayek. Yeah. So, no surprise, in one of the articles that Kahlo appeared in the Detroit News, she said that of her husband, of course he does pretty well for a little boy, but it is I who am the big artist. Oh. And I love that for her. Oh. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. She was, um, is it rude to say she's a firecracker? I, don't, I feel like she just kind of like. I, I don't think. So. I mean. Like I feel like she just kind of like she always like stood her own, and I like that about her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like there was one, one party she was at with Henry Ford, and I didn't write this down, but I remember reading it where she like, like because it was rumored that he was an anti-Semite, and I think she asked him like, "Are you a Jew or something like that?" Like <laughs> she asked him something, and he I, maybe he said that she's a firecracker. Maybe that's where I got that from, but. Oh, maybe. He still danced with her. Well, I mean, I feel like that's like a political strategy, though, too, of like, she's at this party, and now I have to look. Yeah. Like, I'm all right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think especially for the time period and with which she was living, I don't believe that she was shy about voicing her opinions sometimes. Yeah. Definitely Um, for the time period, because, you know, back then. Yeah. I do know that, you know, she had a somewhat volatile relationship, unfortunately, with Diego. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot going on there. But I, I still think she was a, uh, a very strong woman. You know, like, she talked about things when she cared about things. Yeah. Um, you know, she painted things when she cared about things. She, she, she was a very passionate painter. Yes. Yeah. You can definitely see the emotion in her works. Yeah. And also, like... I don't think that everybody classifies her necessarily as a surrealist, but I think like a lot of people do because like her work is very surrealistic if you start to look at it, but it all has a story to it, which sometimes surrealism doesn't tend to have like yeah. a narrative. But you know, she was she was doing things that people around her weren't doing. Mm-hmm. Like you even look at you know her husband's 
paintings. He had a style for sure. He was very stylistic and very narrative in his paintings. But I think that, you know, she was able to reach really deep within and kind of bring some not always pleasant things out in them, but they're very moving if you look at them. Yeah, definitely. So moving on to Diego, like everyone knows, he was commissioned to make the murals that are now seen in like the courtyard. Uh, Detroit Industry, that's what they're titled, Mm -hmm. are considered to be one of his greatest works. He was disliked by many because he was an admitted communist and a foreigner, but he was kicked out of the Mexican Communist Party in 1929. So I thought that was interesting that he got kicked out. Uh, Did it say why? It did not. Okay. But... People didn't like his work either, like the murals. Like, rich patrons were salty that, like, the centerpiece of the museum was a painting of, like, the Ford Rouge plant. hmm Which, I mean, how did... I'm sure they own cars. You know what I mean? Like, right. those people. Right. Like The rich people or whatever that are complaining. Right. I think they're just like, this isn't art. They're probably just, you know... Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, many Fuck re- them. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Many religious organizations thought he was mocking the Holy Trinity in a panel that like depicts a child vaccination. Really? Yeah. How is that? I don't understand. I like I'd have to see it again. Yeah. But I also wrote down were they the OG anti vaxxers? <laughs> and hundreds of thousands of Metro Detroiters demanded that funding be cut to the DIA over this. What? So this was like people were not having this. Because of a mural. Yeah. But it's funny because like Diego loved Henry Ford in Detroit and the technology. He like said, Henry Ford is a true poet and artist, one of the greatest in the world, and believed that American engineers, creators of factory skyscrapers, highways, were the nation's true artist, and Detroit perfected the best expression of American art, the large-scale factory. Wow. Yeah, so he, he was all for Detroit, even yeah. though Detroit wasn't liking him so much. For some reason, like that strikes me very... Because he was a communist... But that's like, it seems more like capitalistic to think that way. You know what I mean? That yeah. like, think about an industry as being so like revolutionary and. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't, I guess I can kind of see it because like, <laughs> it's very like practical. Yeah. Like, and I guess like it, line. it did involve like um, a lot of the general public. Yeah. So, but on the line about American engineers, just made me think of the 30 Rock episode when Jack's something like, all American engineers don't know how to make these days is roller coasters. <laughs> so, I thought it was funny that uh, Rupert was like, American engineers are doing it right. No shade to engineers. I'm like a fake engineer, kind of. Because <laughs> people like software engineer, I'm like, no, I'm, I'm a developer. <laughs> don't call me an engineer. <laughs> I don't do that much math. But according to a Detroit News article, he was actually a so-called loyal socialist. So I don't really know if he's communist or socialist or uh, what was going on there. But anyway, like what saved his work was uh, the public support from public and Edsel Ford. uh, Because like it brought a lot of people to the museum despite people not liking it. Yeah. So it kind of just seemed like just super divisive. Like people who loved it or hated it. That's interesting because now I feel like it is like very celebrated. Oh, totally. We have this really. And it's not. It's a piece of artwork, but it's also like ingrained into the building. It's not you know, a movable piece of artwork. Yeah. No, it's it just is part is of the building. It. Yeah. Yeah. But like, you could see hints of like his communism likings in the paintings, like the I villainous looking foreman, uh, the visibly passive bourgeois visitors touring the plant. 
And like, I guess one of the lone workers wearing leather gloves and blazoned with a red star. Which, oh, that's yeah. yeah, that's pretty apparent right there. Right, which I want to go see now if it's still like if they covered it up or if it's still there. Yeah, I would hope they just left it, but who knows? Yeah, so like I think that's interesting because like you know Diego like liked the city, Frida didn't. Like Diego saw the city as an innovative place for artists, and Frida saw it as a shabby old village. <laughs> which like, okay, Frida. Aww. Yeah. So that's pretty much like the history and Frida Kahlo. And I have one ooky spooky for you. Ooh, please tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's the general, I wrote on like general night at the museum, Scooby-Doo nonsense, where like, you know, things bump in the night, eyes and portraits following people, voices, mm-hmm. et cetera. But the like the specific ooky spooky is a sculpture named the nail figure. Okay. And it's found in the African art section. And I guess like people who work at the museum at night have said they've seen it moving or even dancing. Whoa. And I was like, that's creepy enough as it is. But then I read like the description of it on the like DIA website. So I'm just going to read this real quick verbatim. This nail figure served as a doctor, judge, and priest. It was carved to capture the power of the spirits. Minkisi, singular Rikisi, which was necessary for healing and uh, educating disputes. The figure was filled with powerful magical substances, Belongo, I guess, by priest Naganga, who attended it in a shrine and made its spirit's powers available to individuals. The large Korwaya shell held strong medicines that gave the sculpture its power. This, I'm not even trying to pronounce that, would have originally worn a large beard and a straw skirt. When the agreement was reached, both sides would swear on an oath before the again, word I can't pronounce, and drive iron blades or nails into Ooh. it to seal the oath. In this way, the figure's supernatural powers could be called upon to punish those who broke their oaths. Wow. Yeah. So that guy's coming alive at night. Yeah. That is very scary. Yeah. So, like, I like it makes me think, like, I wonder if this was just, like, an artist's recreation of it or if this was actually, like, one of the... All right, I'll try and pronounce it. Nikisi Nakondi. Um, that's like the name for this type the, of figure. Yeah. So I wonder if this was actually like a genuine artifact. Right. Like some used to make like I bet commemorate it was. some oath. I mean they're um they have a really big African collection in general. Oh, totally. And it's all like I mean, there most of it is artifacts. So I I would I would kinda guess that it could probably be an artifact. That's really interesting. I like and that makes you think, like, I wonder what the oath was and if it was kept and if maybe, like, this figure dancing is some indication of that. Yeah. But. Wow. I wonder how long they've had that in the collection and I wonder how many people have seen something. Yeah. But definitely, I feel like we need to do, need to add this to the field trip list. Going oh, to the for sure. I mean, I, I love the DIA, so I'll go anytime. Me too. And I haven't actually been in over a year, even though I live very close to it. So I would definitely like to go. Yeah, we should go on a Friday go to the music. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, but yeah, so that's the that's my story about the DA. Wow, good job. Thank you. I'm very excited that you did that as a topic. Yeah. Are you ready for some truths and a lie? Yes. Don't look at my screen. I won't. So this one is not related to anything, but it's summertime. Fruit is really good right now. Okay. So I've got 
some some fruit facts, some fruit truths and lies. Okay. For you. We'll see if that botany class I took in college pays off. Yes. So let's see here. So a strawberry is not actually a berry, but a pineapple and a banana are. Let's see here. Yeah. Cucumbers are fruits, not vegetables. And humans share 25% of their DNA with bananas. Hmm. I know the strawberry thing is true because strawberries are technically like, like the actual fruit is like the seeds that on the strawberry and like the, like the red parts considered like the stem or the stalk or something. And then I want to say the banana one's true because I know we share a decent amount of DNA with a banana, which is weird. But I could also see the cucumber thing being true too. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm going to go with the banana one because I feel like it's one of those number ones where like the fact is like the base fact is true, but the number's wrong. Yeah, which is like a way to cheat at two truths and a lie, which I totally did. Uh-huh. Uh, you were right. We do share a large amount of our DNA with bananas. It's not 25%, it's 50. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, I mean, cucumbers being fruits. I didn't know that before I read it, but then I read it and I was like, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because the seeds are in the inside. Yeah. Like, I don't think that qualifies necessarily just as a fruit because obviously like peppers and stuff have seeds on the inside. But yeah, uh, I know there's something there with that. But yeah, we're half banana. I like that for us. Yeah. Which is really weird uh, if you think about uh, just the fact that like um, monkeys and such love bananas so much. Just because we share a lot of Half DNA cannibalism? I don't know. I mean, like, we like bananas, too, but, like, not to the same degree. Yeah. Yeah. But do monkeys like bananas? Is that like I don't a... know. That might just be, like, a weird cartoon thing we learn when we're a kid that's not actually true. Yeah, like, I feel like, like, it's the kind of, like, elephants and peanuts, you know? Yeah. I wonder if, like, elephants really like peanuts as much as we think. Or if it's just, like, a weird circus trick, essentially. Yeah. Probably. Uh, yeah, no, I just started looking up random facts and I actually, the reason I started with fruit is I came across the fact that, um, oranges weren't originally orange. They were green. What? Yeah. But there was like a whole long story about it and their development into becoming actually orange. But I was like, that's weird. What's interesting too, like the word for, um, orange in Swedish is appelsin. Appelsin. Yeah. And apple is just apple. Okay. Yeah, because it said, this is what I originally saw, but like I said, I didn't use this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. The original oranges from Southeast Asia were tangerine pomelo hybrid. So pomelos are like those big grapefruity like yeah. thing or, or whatever. Uh, and they were actually green. In fact, oranges in warmer regions like Vietnam and Thailand still stay green through maturity. Huh. Yeah. So I'm wondering if they were all originally green and then they got taken to a different climate. Ooh. And then probably because, like, the way that, I don't know, sugar processes, or I'm sure there's some sort of scientific reason they started to develop in an orange way as they ripen rather than just staying green. Because green would, like, indicate to me that it's, like, not ripe yet. Yeah. But. Huh. Yeah. But basically, I think, too, this might, might be wrong, on, but I think, like, um, lemons and limes are pretty much, like, the same thing, too. It's just, like, the ripeness level. But I'm, I'm making that I up a little that. bit. Yeah, I I know they stem from the same thing. Somebody told me that once, and then, like, I did look into it, and it wasn't completely accurate, but it kind of was. I mean, I feel like they're pretty closely related, but, yeah. like... But limes don't have uh, seeds in them. Really? Yeah. Lemons have seeds, but limes don't have seeds in them. Huh. Or if they do, I mean, like, they're probably so tiny, but, they like, if you squeeze a lime, you're not going to, like, yeah. have seeds come out. Huh. Yeah, fun fun to think about, right? Yeah. What's the difference between a lemon and a lime? Seeds. 
We'll figure it out someday and tell you listeners. And flavor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, should we wrap this up? Yeah, I think that wraps episode seven. Yeah. So, uh, Detroit. Thanks for listening. And please follow us on Instagram. And we actually have a Facebook now. There's nothing on it yet, but we will have content on it shortly. Or you could email us. At DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Uh, especially, you know, it, it, have you seen that that sculpture at the DIA dance? Yeah. Please let us know. Do you work at the DIA? Please let us know. Yeah. That'd be amazing. And also, Detroit. Stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was created by Sax and Violence. <laughs>